Today's scripture is from Psalms 37, 1 through 4. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I repeat, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, good morning. Well, thank you for being here today as we, as we honor those uh, students who are graduating, and um, just really appreciate your, your support that you've given uh, throughout the years to, to these students uh, through youth ministry. It's, uh, uh, you, we are beyond blessed uh, the way that this church and you as a body as a whole care about and, and want to see these, these young people raised. I mean, we say Senior Sunday, we've got to give it up for our children's ministry, you know? A lot of these kids grew up, you know, they were in the, in the nursery back there. And it, it, it's just not Youth Sunday. I mean, we have to give it up to our children's ministry. They do an amazing job. And I just want to thank them for the hours that they put into that. I want to, and I also want to thank, we have an amazing group of volunteers uh, who do a, a great job at pouring into the lives of our students. And I just want to give my appreciation to them as well. But I want to introduce myself for those of you who may not have had a chance to get to know me. I'm, my name is Jim Brown. I'm the, I'm the student ministries pastor here at Cole Community Church. And I uh, just want to just uh, let you know who I am before we get into this, this message. But um, we in life have to grow up every once in a while, right? There's some things that we do as, as children that, you know, maybe as adults we just really can't get away with. You know, there's just points in our lives where we just can't go back. Uh, but we all have to, to, to grow up in life. And as we grow up in life, our choices seem to get a little bit harder and harder and harder with a, with a little bit more consequence to what, what we, we choose. Like, I didn't know, like, before I became a parent, that a child's day could be, the, the good or bad of a child's day could be determined on the color of the cup they get at breakfast. You know, if, if you get the green cup and you wanted the blue cup, you know, your whole day is ruined and it's a national nightmare that you're going to have to endure. You know, it's not that quite a big deal anymore. And, and for many of our students who are graduating, they have pretty big choices they have to make. You know, what college are they going to go to? You know, are they even going to go to college? What, what kind of job are they going to get when, when they are in college? And as they move on past college, there's other questions that we have to answer in our life. Like, like who are we going to marry? What job are we going to get? What house are we going to buy? For our very first house. And even like as adults, we still wrestle with those same questions. About, you know, kids. How do we raise our children? You know, where do we go for vacation? Do I stay in this job or do I move on to something else? When do I retire? We have these choices. And many of us who are, who are in the community of, of Christian faith... We, we hope to some, hopefully, say, where is God in those decisions? Where is God in those decisions? And if I choose to, to ask for God's uh, input on the choices that I make in my life, am I going to regret it? 
When I, when I first became a believer in, in the church that I was in, Baptist Church in, in Everett, Washington, they had this joke that was going around. You know, it was a song. He says, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, but please, God, do not send me to Africa. You know, don't, I'll, I'll go anywhere, but please, God, don't send me to Africa. You know, and, and, and how do we get, you know, from, from saying, you know, God, I want to follow your will, and maybe there is something that as of right now, I'm not sure if I can do that. And the first verse that I want to share with you this morning as, as we get studied, started in our Bible study is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Now I want to put a little disclaimer on that. When we say what is God, what's God's will, is it good, is it acceptable, is it perfect? For the people on the outside of faith, and they begin to look in on our lives, and, and they see the choices that we make, they may look at us sideways and say, whatever they're choosing and whatever they're doing, they, they're crazy. I remember when I, I, I chose to say, you know, I, I need, to, I need to, to continue on with my ed- education. And we had one child at the time. And we said, we're going to pack up our entire family and we're going to move down to, to, to Northern California to a town that I've never even been seen before. And I'm going to go to Reading. I'm going to go to school. And our families kind of were like, what are you doing? So how do we get there? How do we get from, you know what, I, I am willing to give up my own self and do what God wants. And even though the world outside may say, it's a little bonkers what you're choosing to do, to say, you know what, this is great. We can have this promise that is good, acceptable, and perfect. The first thing, for us to know what God's will for us in our life is, God's will is for us to be renewed. God's will is for us to be renewed. 2 Peter 3.9 it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That all should reach repentance. God's will for us is to be a repentant people. What does that mean? There's, there's, there's this thing, when I was in, in, in school, and they studied, and we studied evolution, you know, in public school I grew up, there, there was a, a big head that said macroevolution, where giant changes happened to life forms here on earth, and somehow we went from this goo that's in a puddle on the beach somewhere into you today. And somehow that happened. You became a chicken, or you became a monkey, and eventually you ended up you. Macroevolution, big evolution, big changes. But then they said there's another thing called microevolution, little tiny changes. Little things that take place that, that allow you to adapt to the environment that you're in. To allow you to survive in, in, in situations where other animals might, might die. Now, I'm not a big believer in, in macroevolution, I can tell you that from right now. But you know what? We have the same choices that we need to make in our lives. There is macro repentance. 
that we have to come through in our lives. There has to be a point in our lives where, we're, where one day we are walking along and we are walking in our own path and we are choosing our own way and we are saying we're going to do life by my terms, my way, how I want to be doing it. And God is going to has shown up maybe in your life and said, you know what, I have a different plan, I have a different purpose for you and you and and that gets a hold of your heart and it gets a hold of your mind and it gets a hold of your life and you turn and you say you know i am committing my life to christ and i am going to choose from this day on that i am going to follow him macro repentance i am turning my entire life around but if you've been walking with christ for some time now a year, two years, ten years, fifty years, you know that that big decision in your life, it, it doesn't always work itself out. And you look at your attitude, you look at your mind, you look at your heart, you look at the choices that you make, and you realize that there are small choices that you didn't mean to make. Micro-repentance. Little things. As you examine your life, and as you're walking through faith, God has wanted to change small little areas in your life. God wants you to reflect. God wants you to go and say, you know what? There are things in my life that I need to change. I'm going to make that decision. The next verse that kind of goes along this, God wants us to be renewed, is 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. It says, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's that knowledge we come to when we first realize the gospel of Christ. But it's a lifelong quest as well. God wants to to reveal himself to you constantly throughout your life. And not even just throughout your life. The amazing thing about eternity is that when we live our life and there's that day that God calls us home and we get to be able to, to be in heaven with him, we get to spend forever, forever, millennia after millennia after millennia exploring and understanding and knowing the God who is so immense and so perfect that we cannot know Him fully. And as, as we go through that life and we make those choices and we begin to know Him better, what the seed that He planted in our life and our salvation will begin to grow. It's amazing. I love these three verses that talk about what happened to us at salvation. The first one is this. Let's throw it up there. It's Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. It says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Next verse. Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will, de- I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has gone. God has planted a seed inside of you that he wants to grow into something amazing. I don't spend a lot of time watching TV. There's just not a lot out there that I really want to. And I spend most of my time watching Seahawks football and, and basketball playoffs. So I don't have a lot of time for anything else. And, but every once in a while, there's a TV show that kind of grabs me. You know, and, and Rachel and I, we can kind of sit down and we can watch this show together. You know, this is our... our 
romantic date time, right? Watching TV together. You know, it, it, you've probably have all seen it. You know the Fixer Upper show? How many of you have seen that show? Fixer Upper? Okay, Chip and Joanna Gaines. It's, it's a story about a, a couple who, who go through, they, they purchase houses and they, they remodel them and make them into to something that is, is, is just amazing to be able to look at. And a lot of these homes are just really dumpy. I mean, you just look at them. And my favorite part about that show is when they get into a house and they do their demo day and they rip everything out of that house. The drywall, the insulation, the plumbing, the electrical. They just go through and they destroy it. And all that they really have left is kind of the skeleton of what the house used to be. I was driving through the North End this weekend and there's a house like that around on 13th Street. And all it is, is just the foundation and the two-by-fours. Everything else is gone. And then as you, as you go through the show and you see the, and the vision that Joanna has for designing this house and, and Chip gets to work. And I love because my wife's always elbowing me when Chip does something crazy and stupid. She's like, yeah, you did something, that's exactly something that you would do. You know? And, and, and you, you see this vision of, of what they have. And then they get through the process and, and they pull it back and you see this amazing home that they have put together. And there's ladies crying. There's guys chest bumping, you know, and it's just like a celebration. And that is exactly what God wants to be doing in your life. He wants to strip away the old in you. And He wants to take that, that which isn't pleasing to Him, and He wants to get rid of it, and He wants to replace it. And He wants to redesign you in the model that we have in Jesus Christ. He wants you to be renewed in who you are. Next thing, number two, God's will for us is to be re-energized. Ephesians chapter 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It's like, let me go back to the house reference that I just told you about. What if they, they built this amazing home, put everything in it, appliances, all that you need, air conditioning, heat, whatever, and they forget to hook up the electricity. And they do that reveal, and they go walking into the house, and they go to flip on the lights, and pfft, there's no lights. They go to check out the oven. There's no, the, the oven doesn't work. It's, it's hot in this house. How about we turn on the air, all the air conditioners are hooked up? A beautiful facade, but there's no power. There's no life in it. Do you ever get that when the power goes out in your house for any extended amount of time, and you really don't know what to do? The Wi-Fi's broke. You can't get online. You go walk into a room, expect to change the clothes, and, and, and you flip on the light just by habit and nothing turns on. It's all this like lost feeling. Like, how am I going to survive? It's like I'm in the wilderness. Yeah? And that's what life's like without the Spirit. You may have a great exterior, but you have no power to be able to fulfill that life. And I love the, the illustration that Paul gives us here in Ephesians. It says, don't get drunk with wine. None of us wake up drunk, do we? Well, I hope none of you wake up drunk. That would, that would be bad. Um, you know, uh, we have a talk about that. But it, it, you, you, just don't, you just don't get off of work one day and just be like, you know what, I'm hammered. It's a choice that you have to make, isn't it? It's a choice and it's a repeated step that you have to do. You have to go and you have to open 
something. You have to open a bottle. You have to open a can. And you have to choose to open that can, and then you have to take a drink. And then after that, you have to take a drink. And then you have to take another drink. It's purposeful. And it's the same thing with the Spirit. It's purposeful. We have to take choices. We have to say, this is what I want. I choose to be filled with God's Spirit. And how we do that? Well, the next verse is in, in Ephesians chapter 5 because it's a pretty good idea because God wants us to be in right relationship. And it's done through being in right relationship. First of all, it's been doing it in right relationship with Him. You know, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Weren't you just, you just felt God when, when we were up here and, and Ray was up here with the worship team leading? Didn't you just feel the Spirit of God just coming through here? And just knowing that His love and power is available to you and you know that there's an amazing God who, who controls this universe. As we, as we make music in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything that the God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. God wants us to be in right relationship with Him. He wants us to worship Him. And it doesn't matter where you're at doing it. I, 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 as most of you know, I, I love going out mountain biking. And sometimes I'm out there and, and I'm going down there by myself and I, and I get my headphones and I plug my headphones in and I get my phone going and I'm starting to listen to music. And, and, and every so often, one of these worship songs comes on that just really grips your heart. The, one of them that I really remember is Hosanna by Hillsong. And it, the, the song comes on and I'm riding up this trail and it's just speaking to my soul. And I got these ones that really drown out every noise, these headphones. And I think I'm just like singing along with it. Just going up this trail, riding my bike, singing along with it, and these two ladies come walking by me as I'm, as I'm belting out this music together, you know? You know and it, but it didn't matter. God was speaking to my heart right then and there. Because I'm in a relationship with Him. And I love Him. But it's not just about being in relationship with Him. It's about being in relationship with others. You notice what you do there? It's ne- none of those things are alone. We are addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We have relationship with God and we have relationship with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 begins right after that and it begins speaking about the most important relationships that we're ever going to have in our lives besides the one between God and Him. And it's with our family. It's with our wives. It's with our husbands. It's with our children. God wants us to be in right relationship with Him. So that's number three. Number four. God's will for us is to... Be rejoicing. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why do we need to be thankful people? Because it changes our perspective on life. It changes the way that we see situations that we're encountered in. And even though we may be going through a hard, difficult time, when we are a thankful people, we see things differently. And and we wonder where God's at to say, you know what? God, thank you anyways. Thank you, Lord, that 
you know, I, I complained a lot this last spring about all the rain that we were getting. You know, to be thankful for the rain every single day. Because, because I know what? Because God is going to bring sunshine someday as well. To have that changed perspective in our lives. Just to be people who, who say, you know, thank you, God, for what you've done. To be a rejoicing people. Finally, our fifth thing. What God's will for us. This isn't, all, this isn't exhaustive, but it's number five. Number five is that God wants us to be respectful. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. Well, Peter wrote this, and at the time that Peter was writing it, the emperor was pretty anti-Christianity. And he was imprisoning believers. And he was throwing them in jail, and, and many times he was executing them for their faith. But he said, be respectful of the emperor, even though he's against us. Now, most of us don't have to deal with the government coming down upon us in our faith. But how many of you have to deal with, with difficult work situations, difficult family situations, difficult areas in your life where, where you try to walk the Christian faith, and maybe somebody comes against you? I had a, when I got out of the military, I, I began to, to work construction. And uh, I, had, I was working on this house one time. It was a, a $6 million house. It was just a, an incredible thing. And we were, we were discussing how to build um, a, a scaffolding to put some, some rock up on the texture of this house. And the, the foreman of, of this job, his name was Bill. And Bill was someone who had walked away from the faith many years before, and he was very antagonistic toward anything Christian. And I was a, pretty much a brand new believer, maybe two, two years. And, you know, I'm, I'm rocking to Stephen Curtis Chapman in my car, you know, uh, uh, and I'm reading my Bible at, at lunchtime, and, and I'm really trying to share the Lord as, as much as I possibly can, just, just really out there, just on fire for Jesus. And he really hated my guts. He just hated me. And there was one time we were working on that scaffolding, and there was an issue, and I, and I brought up a suggestion to, to, to fix the problem, and he literally took his fist and nailed me right in the face. And, you know, just didn't report it, just, gave, just you know, we worked past it. And as I was about ready to leave that job, he actually came and he took me and he said, you know what, Jim, let's go out for coffee. And he took me out for coffee, and we sat at the opportunity to sit down, and we got a chance to talk through life. And I pray for Bill right now. I just pray that maybe the Lord just did a work in his life. And it took a hard. It was hard to be respectful in that situation. God wants us to be respectful. So we got five things. Five things that we looked at that the scripture says. But does any of those answer the question of who you should marry and where you should go on vacation this summer? I don't think so. But we had our, Amanda read our scripture a little bit earlier. And she repeated a verse. Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this idea of, of delighting yourself in God. Do you think maybe delighting yourself in God has something to do with those five things that we put up there? This idea is being able to say, you know what, I, Lord, just am completely and totally reliant upon you. And, and it actually has the idea of a, of a baby who, who nurses from the mother and whose total life and entire existence is dependent upon the mother pouring out her life into this child. 
Delighting yourself in the Lord means to surrender. Surrendering yourself to God. And who is the greatest example of this? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of this. Because we, when we read in Philippians, we're going to go through this here this summer. We're going to get to chapter 2. And we're going to read about how Jesus Christ, even though He existed in the form of God, said, you know what, this isn't something that I need to hold on to. I am going to surrender my will to God the Father, and I am going to allow myself to become a human being. And I'm going to walk on the face of the earth, and I'm going to allow myself to be put upon a cross for the salvation of mankind. I'm going to surrender my will to him. And the Bible says that after that, he gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus surrendered his will. You, you, if you remember right, in the garden, as Jesus is praying and pleading with God for what he is about to endure, he's, he's there kneeling, and the blood is dripping from his sweat glands. And he said, Lord, if there is any way that this cup can be taken from me, please let it happen now. But you know what? It's not my will, but it's your will to be done. Because there is no other way. Christ was the only way. And, but we read in Hebrews, we read in the book of Hebrews that Jesus, it was the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross, he scorned its shame, and now he writes, sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He surrendered himself, and his will was delivered. The delight of Jesus Christ's life here on earth was to save you and to save me. So as we offer our lives up to God, he changes us, he transforms us, and this desire of our heart isn't something inside of us that says, you know, I want it for myself. It says, I want it for God. And it kind of puts in perspective a couple verses that I'm always kind of questioning. When I read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you as well. God will provide. John chapter 15, verse 7, abide in me. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Maybe if you started practicing those five things that we talked about earlier, that could mean abiding. Abide in me and my words in you, and whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Church, are we ready to surrender to him? What is it in your life right now that you're saying, you know, I'm holding on to this thing? And I don't want it to let it go. I'm going to pray here for you in a moment. And I'm going to ask that God allows you to let that thing go. That you may surrender to Him. And that He will begin to work in your heart. And what He wants, you'll want. Because your heart will be knit with His heart. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the guidance that is given. And I thank you that, God, you are a God who, who isn't distant from us, but you want relationship with us. And you want us to invite you into every single situation. And whatever it may be, 
Wherever we are with you, God, we know that you are speaking to our hearts and speaking to our lives. And we can come to you in prayer and we come to you boldly asking God for you to do amazing things in our lives. And so, God, I pray for our church here this morning. I pray for those in this room right now who may be holding on to something that they don't want to let go. I pray that you would allow them to give it up. That they would be a renewed people. That they would be a re-energized people. That they would be a rejoicing people. They would be in right relationship with you and with others. And that, God, we would be respectful for those around us. And we lift up your love. We lift up your hearts and help us to be a light to the world around us. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.